Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So, you know, we should really uh, rectify an error. We, we've left something out of our podcasts, and I don't know how we've managed to do it. You mentioned it this morning when we were setting up, and I said, gosh, we've never even talked about that. And <laughs> that is that we get a lot of questions from folks who listen to the podcast and have read Agile Conversations and uh, who are following our work, and, and, and they say, how can we learn about how this works? How can we work with others? And particularly, how can we get people in our organizations to focus on conversations instead of the agile rituals or the uh, latest DevOps trend or something like that? How can we get them thinking about conversations as a way of troubleshooting their agile conversations and their agile team? And we have a whole method that we followed for years and that we've got a whole bunch of material on, and I don't think we've ever talked about it on the podcast. So we should fix that. What do you think? I, I think that sounds great. <laughs> great. So why don't you start us off by telling us, uh, telling listeners about this thing called a conversational dojo? Sure. Uh, conversational dojo is the name that we've given to what, what we call a group practice session for the Agile conversation skills. And the idea is that we want to have a time and space where we're going to have deliberate practice of the skills. And we have come up with the methodology we talk about in the book, and we've talked about on the podcast before, of the four R's. And so in, in, in one way, it's very simple. A conversational dojo is where a group of people come together to deliberately practice the four R's using uh, some uh, focus on some element of conversation. And we should fill people in what are the four R's. So, so what do we mean by that? Okay, the, the, the four R's are record. Uh, so that would be to record the conversation, to reflect, which is to score your conversation with some type of tool or a whole set of tools, uh, depending. And, and the kind of the dojo sessions vary a bit based on what you're doing. Uh, then you will have revise to uh, try creating a better version of the com conversation. And then role play. Uh, try speaking this revised conversation, ideally with someone else. This is one of the advantages of group practice. You can get you can get someone to play the other part. Now, when you're doing this, we find it very helpful that normally you don't just go through once. Uh, you, you'll have to be uh, repeating what you do to go back and re reflect on your revised conversation. And in the role play, it's very helpful to do role reversal to to have the other person play your part and vice versa. If you were counting along, that's six of the four R's, but that's we're, yeah. it's not it's not maths. It's it's agile development. So <laughs> we, we can get away with that. That's right. So we we've, we we lay this out in in the book, and we talked about it in the podcast. And so it's and since we've told people that these are the steps you go through as you as you practice, these are the things to be doing to apply these skills. Um, that what we haven't said so much about is how to go ahead and actually run a group session. And so we we did address that. We had a uh, created a, a, a webinar that we did with uh, IT Revolution, and we created a, a dojo kit to uh, run through the steps of doing it. And I, I don't think we we need to um, refer to, uh, repeat everything there. I think we can probably add a link in the show notes <laughs> that would cover that. Absolutely. Or if you search for conversational dojos, you'll you'll find that online. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so, it, and it's, if you're going to run these sessions, it's worth getting the kits. And we we do talk about how to some of the um, mechanics of running it. We also talk a bit about the different kinds of dojos. What we do want to add a bit to that uh, today is, as I think, is it'd be helpful for us to talk a little bit about some of the uh, benefits of doing it. So that this is like why it makes sense for you to go and da download the kit and and read it and watch the video about how to how to run the dojos. 
And, and one of the the things that's that's so astonishing to me that we haven't ever in 138 episodes talked about this. This is how we learned. This is how you and I got good at this because <laughs> we we didn't call it a dojo at the time, but we had a small group and we got together, looked at our conversations, looked at them fearlessly and and um, bluntly and and painfully, and we we learned an awful lot from it. So that's, that's, I think, the main reason for me that I would recommend it to others. We'll go through some of the detailed benefits you might get from it. But this is, this is how you and I learn. Yeah, that's a good point. And, it, and we weren't forging new ground here. We actually were uh, in, inspired by the, the uh, people at uh, Action Design who um, have, have did the same thing themselves. They, these were people who were students of Chris Ardress and started a, a group together. And they lay out in their resources section their own you know, small group study sessions and how they uh, would work and develop their skills. And that was, that was inspiration for us. I, I think what we've done differently with the dojos, our, our recommendations are a bit different from theirs. Um, I, I think their, uh, their approach was for people who were very, very into the material and were, were, were doing a, a um, significant amount of study and investment and I think we've developed something with the conversational dojos that I think is, I think more more approachable, and uh, it is so for, it's helpful for people who are uh, coming to the material for the first time and aren't necessarily as as uh, committed students. What, what's your what's your thought on that? I agree completely. I, one thing that's just occurring to me as you as you say that is. It reminds me of an agile retrospective. So uh, listeners might be familiar with that idea that you can bring an agile team together and you don't have to train them for years in detailed processes of um, agile retrospectives and give them tests and um, make sure that they, they all have it completely down. You can get a bunch of people together, say, here's the prime directive. Uh, we all have the best intentions at heart. Here's, let's look at what things went well and what didn't. You know, I ran a retrospective last week just like that with people who'd never been in one before. Yeah. So similarly, if you would like to improve the conversations in your organization, a great way to do that is with a conversational dojo because it doesn't require loads of preparation and uh, knowledge ahead of time. And it can introduce people to the idea that maybe conversations would be a good thing to study. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. I think in, in, the, in the dojo kit, we kind of lay out that there are sort of three types of, of uh, dojo sessions. And one is the foundational session that we specify how to run that. And that's very good for onboarding people for their first session. Uh, in, the, in the Shu-Ha-Ri type approach, I think of that as uh, the, these three types of sessions somewhat relate to that. There's the type where you're sort of getting the basics. There's the a, a type where you're practicing different skills so you can choose among them. And then there's the highest level where you are going to be losing your whole set of skills. And this is this is once you've practiced many different styles and you're you're sort of up going all out. <laughs> it's like having a full sparring session as opposed to just practicing uh, a particular form over and over again. And and it just occurs to me that people might not actually know that word dojo if you don't know that word if you haven't come across it in other contexts. It comes from martial arts. That's why Jeffrey's referring to sparring. So it's a a place where you do uh, deliberate practice of your martial art. For example, in this case, we're doing the the martial art of conversations, which isn't very martial. Yes, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so Jeffrey, what what are the benefits that people might look for? So if if someone's saying, "Gosh, I'm not sure whether I should go try this," sounds like a lot of work. It's not, but if they were thinking that, what what benefits would uh, might make them uh, uh, understand why it might be helpful? Yeah, the the very first benefit 
is that the, the dojo gives you a place to actually go and practice the skills to do the work. One of the things that we found uh, is that people who read the book said, oh, this is great. It makes a lot of sense. And we then we would ask them, so have you folded a piece of paper and have you done a conversation analysis? And a lot of times they'd say, yeah, no, I haven't quite gotten to that yet. <laughs> there, there's a motivational uh, element to, to this. And I think it's a lot like having a, a buddy to go to the gym. It's, a lot of people find it they're more reliable showing up to do their workouts if they're doing it with someone else. And I think it's very much the same with the conversational dojos. So the, the very first benefit you get is that because you've committed to this other people, you're much more likely to actually do it. And since these are skills that benefit from practice, that means you're actually doing the practice. So that's the, the fact that you're doing the work at all is, is the number one benefit that, that I've seen that people get from, uh, and, and myself included, from being part of these, these dojos. Mm-hmm. And what else? Well, the next thing I think that happens is, and this this is especially true if you're doing this with a, a regular group, um, um, perhaps in your workplace. We we would do practice sessions uh, at Tim where we would have these kind of reflection sessions uh, every week uh, for for a time, and because we knew that we're going to be doing this again uh, and again and again. Between the sessions, one of the things I saw was an increased awareness of our conversations, um, and that helped in part because maybe we would it would happen right after a conversation would come away and go, oh, that didn't go very well. Oh, wait, I could use this. <laughs> this could be material for the next session. And the second was in, that frequency of practice meant it was more likely to be able to pull upon the skills in the conversation while they were happening because I had that uh, mindfulness that it, it ha- I'd had that practice not long ago and I knew when it was coming up. I was much more likely to to use the skills and also to find um, opportunities for learning. And, and I should think that uh, that also had an organizational impact. So so that meant that because people were thinking about it and they knew that there was another one coming up in a week, I, I, I know I've seen this before where someone says, actually, you know, this would be a good conversation to analyze this week. And somebody says, the other person says, yes, it sure would be. That didn't go very well, the, the conversation <laughs> between you and me. So uh, you can you can even get that kind of awareness in the organization that this is an important thing. Yes, that's that's a, that's a great point. And we definitely had cases like that where um, people would uh, do conversational analysis together. They, were, they would each uh, analyze their own part of the conversation and they would share the results with each other. We, we actually have one of those conversations show up in the book. We, you know, we put in there as a quote unquote three column case study. That was a case where uh, a coworker and I each uh, uh, went and, and recorded and analyzed our part of the conversation. And it was very interesting to compare it, uh, very insightful for us. Because you guys certainly didn't see it the same way. Uh, that was an <laughs> understatement of the century there. And then how about in the session itself? So uh, now we've kind of talked about why um, the, the, it might be increase the awareness and the organizational impact and so on. But uh, what, what do you actually get in the session? How do your, uh, your skills at conversations and therefore your agile results, how do, how do those improve? Yeah, that, I think there's a really interesting element here, which is having other people help is amazingly helpful with conversational skills. The, the fundamental problem is our conversational skills aren't as good as we would like because of cognitive biases that prevent us from seeing the mistakes that we're making. And now the four R's and, and doing the conversation analysis and writing things out helps a lot. It helps us get some visibility. 
of, of what we were doing in the conversation. But it doesn't help us with mistakes that we make in the analysis and in our revision, <laughs> where we still have cognitive biases that, that apply and we're still suffering from as we try to develop our skills. But those other people there, they don't share our cognitive biases. At least they, they don't share them about us. They may <laughs> have them for themselves, but they can see through our cognitive biases. So as I am analyzing my conversation and I'm saying, oh, I, I think this is what happens. I think, or I think this is a better version. Other people might say, uh, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, but actually I, I, I think this seems very similar to me. I don't think you've actually changed that much. <laughs> they, they, they can point out mistakes. And again, if I go back to the, the, the gym analogy, this is like having other people to spot mistakes in your form that aren't visible while you're doing the exercise, uh, or, you know, anytime else you get, you get, uh, observers who are able to give you unbiased feedback on things that you can't see while you're in the middle of the practice, that this is a huge benefit, uh, of, and, and helps me develop skills. I, I know squirrel, when you talked about how we had our, our sessions and we often, uh, would, would come together. And I had one type, one, one time that was a perfect example of this. I, I had done the analysis ahead of time and I brought it in. I remember at the start of the session saying, well, I, I brought this, but I don't think there's very much here. I, I think things went pretty well. I think I, I was pretty skillful in the conversation. Oh I, boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Famous, Famous last words. Last words. Yeah, very much so. I handed it out and I think we spent 45 minutes, uh, at least going through, uh, uh, getting feedback from everyone pointing out that no, actually there were, there were plenty of cases here where I uh, hadn't asked genuine questions, where I hadn't been transparent, uh, where I was um, using, uh, making various mistakes, uh, exercising unilateral, unilateral control rather than being the embodiment of mutual learning that I'd hoped for. <laughs> so that was very, very uh, eye-opening for me. And sticking with the gym analogy, then the, the other thing that happens that's usually very helpful in both the gym and, and certainly in a dojo, a conversational dojo, is when you give feedback, that helps you to observe what you might be doing as well. So the, the process of actually noticing something in someone else, which is always easier, it's easier to see someone else's problem, often, at least for me, has, has given me uh, insight into what I might be doing. So I, I learn how I could improve my conversation. Yeah, that, that's a great point. Fantastic. Uh, any other thoughts on conversational dojos, or should we uh, invite our listeners to uh, download the, the kit and try it out for themselves? Well, I think there's one more element. Earlier, you you mentioned the organizational impact that, that can happen in, in, because people are who, who are both practicing the skills um, will will be able to uh, use that in their disagreements in in the actual work. And I think that there's another organizational impact here which is the message it sends in the organization. What you're sending is really kind of a cultural message. If you've organized something in your team or your department uh, or the company has organized this, you're sending the message saying, this is important to us. This is the kind of thing we do, the kind of thing we value. We, we care about how we communicate with, which, with each other. We care about getting better at it. It's worth spending time. It's worth thinking about how we relate to one another. And I think that's, that is a, is a very strong message of cultural change. This is a very big way that you demonstrate to people that culture isn't something you just talk about, something that you actually live, that you you put time and energy behind it. And I think that is a, a tremendous impact. And I think that that's, that's amplified if the people in the dojos include 
people who are in leadership. The more influential those people are who are showing up, the stronger it reinforces the message that this is something the organization cares about. And uh, I, I just don't want listeners to think this is something you can only do if your CEO is involved. So absolutely, that's beneficial. But uh, I strongly believe, and certainly I've seen it work, that you can start with a small group in uh, uh, the, the middle of the organization someplace and see the benefits then uh, accrue elsewhere and uh, get more attention from others in the organization. So although it's very, very beneficial to have a leader involved, you don't have to. You could start, get benefits, uh, see the change in your, your own team and your own organization, and then uh, uh, let that ripple outward. So both of those work. That's a great point. And I think for, for a team that's working together that says, you know, it, it's, it really helps that team identity, even if it's just them, you're saying, this is the thing that we value as a team and it will, will bring that team closer together. That's a, that's a great point. It's, it does not need to be something that is blessed by management. <laughs> it, it can be, uh, it can start anywhere. Start the revolution from, from, from below. Excellent. So uh, we'd love to hear from listeners who are trying out conversational dojos or who are confused about them or try them and they don't work or anything else. Uh, we, we like hearing from you. If, you. if you're interested in trying these, have a look at the show notes or just search for conversational dojos online. You'll find a couple different things. You'll find a download of the conversational dojo kit we mentioned, a recording of the webinar we mentioned. Uh, we're speaking at the DevOps Enterprise Summit, uh, which is nominally in Las Vegas, but no one's going to Las Vegas these days, so it's uh, happening online, so anyone can participate. We're speaking on uh, October the 13th, if I remember right, but that'll be in the uh, in, in the link as well. And uh, there's, of course, the London Organizational Learning Meetup, Jeffrey, which you organize, and which isn't in London either. Um, it's all <laughs> virtual these days. You should really change the name. And uh, that is, uh, in many cases, you you run that as a dojo, don't you? Yeah, that, that's right. So we, we run dojo sessions there uh, twice a month now, and, oh. uh, and and anyone's welcome to join. Excellent. Well, links to all of those will be in the show notes and uh, easily Googleable, I, I believe, as well. And of course, we'd like to hear from you if you try any of this stuff. You can find us on conversationaltransformation.com, email, Twitter, all of those good things. And we'll be back next week. We took a break last week, but we don't take breaks very often. So we're, we're here every week. And if you hit the subscribe button and whatever it is that you use to listen to us, then we'll be here again next week to talk more about troubleshooting Agile. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Carl.